Get ready to challenge conventional beliefs about what's possible in creating health, wealth, and happiness. You are listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. This hit show is providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. It is time to open and expand your awareness, accelerate your well-being as Megan shares wisdom, teachings, and experience from a lifelong journey of the heart. Enact the power of radical change with ease and lift your desires to a new perspective. Now, here's Playing on the Edge Radio. Welcome, everybody, to Playing on the Edge Radio. I'm your host, Megan Edge, and I'm here with my fabulous co-host, Pat. Hello, Dr. Pat. Yep. And wherever you are in the world today, I hope that you're having an amazing, amazing day and that you're going with the flow. I woke up this morning to snowflakes coming down April 12th. (laughs) I know it's Canada, but this is the most southern part of Canada that I live in. I live in Victoria and they, they call this city, the city of the uh, early or newly wed and nearly dead. Wow. <laughs> well, it's a big retirement community. Yes, that's that we have. true, isn't it? Yes. That's actually yeah. really true. Because the weather normally here is fairly mild. We have mild winters. We have mild summers. We don't get a lot of extreme weather. Uh, and so it's very appealing for a lot of people in Canada and elsewhere to come to move here for their retirement years, which ties in really nicely to what we're going to be talking about today on the show. Today we are on the edge of aging wildly. And we were playing around with are we aging wisely? Are we aging well? And we landed on wildly because we're on the edge and we want to do things differently around here. And, and because we've we've pulled things in from a, a, a couple of different places that are really relevant to where we are right now. And the reason I say that is that people are experiencing and have experienced over the past 36 months, a wide range of what it means to either be that, you know, aging wildly, or having the wildest ride of their life in caring for a a family member or a friend, or it doesn't matter what the category is, but somebody that is in a situation that cannot do for themselves, right? Albeit some of it's temporary, some of it's permanent. And if that's been you, you've navigated through some very interesting waters when it came to COVID. And then when it just came, comes to care. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to unpack and a lot to talk about. But, you know, you've been, you, this is, this has engaged you personally. And you had a number of situations. But, you know, here recently, a real eye-opener, right? Yes, absolutely. And that's part of what brought me to wanting to do the show the, today, this waste, talking about aging and the things that can happen for us or to us as we go through that process. And it doesn't have to be about necessarily older people or being older ourselves. I mean, we start aging the moment we're born, but it really is more about how can we age well and how can we, in some cases, buck the system, the expectation that our culture has given us around what it means to be an older person and what it means to be aging. And my own recent personal experience really brought this home for me, Pat. So as some of our listeners know over the last couple of years, 
I've worked through a number of, of pretty impressive or important or whatever you want to call them, intense death experiences. This is not another one of those, I'm happy to say. However, it really did bring home for me how little prepared many people are for the things that can happen to us unexpectedly. So a dear family member of mine went in for surgery. The surgery was, was planned and we did as much as we could pre-surgery to plan for what we needed to have in place after the surgery. But what was interesting is that despite all the questions that we were asking of the surgeon and the surgical team and of the process and what to expect with this, we were really given very vague directions, very vague information. Essentially, we were told she would be the same as she was before the surgery. And, and I'll say this, this was a brain surgery for to help with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. It's quite a radical surgery. And we were told that her Parkinson's symptoms would be the same post-surgery as they were pre-surgery until the device that was implanted was turned on. And that, that's what this device does. It helps to stimulate the dopamine center in the brain and hopefully mitigate the Parkinson's symptoms. So we we went to our our medical system and here in Canada our medical system is generally paid for and we like to think we have a really great medical system but it is collapsing right now and and it's happening around the world too in many first world countries so our experience of that was that despite our efforts to get something in place for when she arrived back home we were informed that nothing could be put in place until she was assessed after the surgery to determine what her needs would be and that even once that was done, most of the t- mostly they would be unable to help her in any really significant way because of their own regulations and protocols. So they couldn't touch her, for example. They couldn't hold her hand. They couldn't help her if she needed help getting in and out of bed, things, things like that. Um, but having been assured that that wasn't going to be the case, we thought we were going to be okay. Right. And the long and the short of it was that she came home from the surgery and, and her level of function was... Um, almost zero. And what we realized very quickly is that she was going to require 24 hour a day care for we didn't know how long. And our options were, well, me. I was our option. There was no place to put her into short term care. And that's problematic in its own way, putting her into respite care. Because of the confusion that she was experiencing post surgery from the anesthetic and from an infection that had set in, and the Parkinson's, she would have been very, very distressed to be in an environment that she didn't recognize with people who she didn't know. And I wouldn't be necessarily allowed in as a family member. Um, I'm her niece. So there was that issue. Uh, wow. And then being in a, in a long-term care facility, but for short term, there's concern around infections and other things like that. So basically what it came down to is that she came and lived with me and my family for 12 days And in those 12 days, I learned very firsthand what it's like to look after a person who needs the level of care that she needed, where I was not able to even leave my home, like to go out to the garden, unless I could bring somebody in who could help her um, or to do a grocery shopping. That was the intensity that she that she required. And I am not a trained nurse. I am a healer. I'm a trained healer. There are lots of things that I could bring to help with this. But what we, what we experienced as well is that there was no help outside of what I was doing with her. Um, beyond the occupational therapist coming in and providing us with equipment that could, be, that could help, it was really on us to do the bulk of the, of the care for her. And that's something that I had never really thought about before. What's that going to be like? 
right? Um, as our population ages, and we do have a large aging population, what is what needs to be in place in order for someone to have a, a good healing experience, whether it's short term or long term, after something like this. And when you and I were talking about the show, I said, you know, it's so interesting that we talk about how it takes a village to raise a child. Yep. Well, what does it take to raise an elder? Yeah. And I said a village and you said a nation. And both yeah. are both are correct. And that's really what we're talking about here today based on yeah. these experiences. Yeah. And I want to piggyback off that because it does take a nation. And if you really play it out even further than that, it, it becomes more global. But every country has their own approach to things. And there are some countries that that in some cultures, let me just call it cultures. There are some cultures that when you become part of the elder, the crone, whatever that is in that culture, you are treated very special. You know, your family and who you are, you're revered. There are things about who you are and who you become that are so honored. It would be horrific if an elder family member did not have somebody to care for them. And I found that out when I, when I was doing some study in, uh, of South America. And, you know, that's for my own personal reasons, because of what I discovered about my family. And, you know, the cultures in South America and Mexico in particular, um, what I found was the familia is everything. Mm -hmm. You know, it is everything from, it's almost like you will be banned from a village if you neglect those that have brought you into the world. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not the case in your country. And it's not the case in my country. And while there are pockets like the Latino community, I mean, you know, all you got to do is be part of a Latino, commun Latino community and the gatherings, the family. I mean, you can see it. And I'm generalizing. So I just want to be very clear to everybody. We're making some generalizations today. There are always exceptions. But the cultural research supports what we're saying. Mm -hmm. What we're doing now and the lack of care and the fact that here we are still fighting like mad people for health care for both children's and seniors. And somebody with a half a brain wants to cut Social Security. Like, seriously, what then? You know, we're under this impression that everybody's got a 401k. Or stock so. options. <laughs> yeah. Or stock options. Well, and the this... reality is that this is not infinity wars. That Thanos did not win and eliminate half of the of <laughs> every creature. That's not us. And well, I, I have I'm... not heard a good solution, have you? Well, no, I, I don't think there's any easy solution. I think we're opening up an enormous Pandora's box here and a huge can of worms at the same time. There's a few things that, that you mentioned that, that were my experience as we were going through this. Here in Canada, we have a social medical system in which we have the, uh, we, we have the understanding that if we go to the hospital 
everything's covered. We pay our taxes. I mean, it's not free. It comes from somewhere, right? We, the population are paying for it through our taxes. But that means that at the, at the moment, we don't have to shell over $100,000 for an MRI. It's, it's covered. And that, that's true for something like that. And, and I've said this before, our medical system is really good at responding to emergency situations, or at least it has been traditionally. Um, it's not very good, though, at preventative. And it doesn't seem to be very good at solving, um, problem solving for long-term solutions. And again, we're generalizing. So yes, to fall on for today's show. Said, yeah, for today's show, we're generalizing. So where we thought that there would be things in place that would be covered by RBC Medical, that I'm in the province of British Columbia, it turned out that the level of care that she required was not going to fit the criteria of what she would need to have happening for her in order to qualify to be able to use the medical system. So at $44 an hour for private home care to come in and relieve me of at least some of the nighttime work that I was doing for her was, for, was $44 an hour. We were spending $380 a night. She was with me for 12 days. And the first four nights, the first four days, I was doing it 24 hours. And then I had a little bit of a meltdown <laughs> and said, I can't do this and we need to bring in help. And in the end, the cost was close to a $7,000 Canadian for her wow. personal care over those four weeks, which or three weeks, which would be actually less than if we'd put her, if we'd had, if we had been able to put her into a care home. This was an expenditure that we were not expecting. And thankfully she could cover it, but certainly the thought was going through my mind well, what happens to somebody who can't cover it? You mean millions? Yeah. Like, who, who like in this country, what is it? 42 million? I got to check with Bernie about that, what we're up to. Well, yes. And I don't have the money to cover private home care. Don't have family nearby who can drop everything and, and help out. And don't have a community around. Because what I did see for my, my aunt was that she has such a strong community around her. And she has strong faith. So her, her community, her participation in the shul, which is the um, Jewish temple, they set up a meal train for her. And so for these four to eight weeks that she's in recovery or recovering from her surgery, people from the community are bringing in homemade meals every day for her. So she doesn't have to do that. And when she was with me, they were, doing, they were bringing it here. So I didn't have to cook. You know, to have something like that in place that is volunteers from the community coming together to help one individual person is it's amazing to see it's beautiful and what is it what is it like if you don't have that you yeah. know when I think about the lack of care and the lack of support and the lack of follow-up sending her for home the day after brain surgery with no protocol and no instruction on how to look after her if she had been on her own I I don't want to even think about well, well no let's happened. talk about it if she okay. would have been on her Let's own, talk about it. what? Because there are millions of people like that. Yeah. And we are just, it is a situation that has gone unchecked yeah. for so long in the richest countries we, in the world, right? It's, it's, it's gone unchecked falling. so long. Yeah that when legislators in like in my or my country think about it the conversation is i can't support a trillion dollar package of any kind mm -hmm. and i try to wonder when did we make the switch 
from government for the people. Mm -hmm. When did we go from that to government for stock options? Yeah, or government for the elite. That's a word. I don't, I don't actually know what to call it. But once upon a time, we were talking about government for the people. And you know, Megan, we did a really horrific job during remember oh seven eight nine and ten remember them years mm-hmm. right with the whole bank thing yep we still haven't addressed what those people went through back then yeah yep. and yet i'm very grateful as i sit here today because i was one of those people self-employed right mm-hmm. i don't remember the year now but it was when the affordable care ha- act got passed in the united states Mm-hmm. And I remember being sick, and I remember already paying close to $1,300 a month for my coverage and being on my last day before they were going to either have to bring me up to $2,000 or, or cut me. Yeah. And then the bill passed. And I'm, I wasn't alone. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we have this idea about Affordable Care Act. It's, oh, it's for those people that, no, like it was for me because Mm -hmm. I was going to go from no coverage and not being well. Um, And the next call I got was, oh, we're not going to do that. And by the way, we're going to reduce your coverage by $500. Mm -hmm. But that is not something we can have a guarantee on. And we're not getting any younger. Hello. (laughs) Well, really, I mean, literally from the day you're born, you're not getting any younger. (laughs) It's true, right? But I mean, as culturally around the world. Yes. So so here's what we're not doing in our culture at any rate. And again, generalizing. But here's what we're not doing. We're not honoring the process of aging. And we are no longer honoring the life experience that accumulates when somebody is able to live a long and healthy life. I I jokingly years ago started calling Google Grandma Google, because instead of going to your grandfather or your grandmother and learning the things that they learned as they grew up from their grandparents, we go to the internet. And the internet, in in a sense, has replaced the value of the wisdom that we used to place in from the minds of our elders and the experiences that they have had. And something I'm seeing that's quite interesting, and, and we had said when we started this, we when you and I were talking about our show beforehand that we may go down a few rabbit holes and here's one of those rabbit holes as we are facing these energy crises and gas prices going up and produce prices going up and empty shelves and all the the theater that's happening right now around all of that what I'm seeing a lot of on the internet is people searching for well how do you make homemade apple cider yes (laughs) and how do you make homemade wine and how do you make a pie you know, these are these are skills, cooking and harvesting and growing um, and medicines from the plants. People are looking for that information right now, at least those who are forward seeing, because the way in which we have grown up as a culture over these last hundred years has left us with a lack of knowledge about how to actually take care of ourselves. Right. We pop a pill and that's supposed to deal with our symptoms we are aging rapidly in a what is a toxic environment for most people if you're living in the cities and there's very little preventative knowledge or information that's being shared and so we're seeing 
we're seeing people age faster. We're seeing people, younger people show up with diseases and illnesses that they would never, we never would have thought of before for them. And when we ask the question, why and how, it doesn't get answered. It often gets censored. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is on National Autism Awareness Month. Mm. And I talked about this the other day. And if you uh, if you want to go watch some statistics, because I I remember a number of years back, we did an entire month series and then it became longer to make people more aware of autism. And I would watch the numbers change every time we did a show. And, you know, and, and so when I looked at that, it was so fascinating um, how the numbers changed and how people were bringing ideas to the conversation. Now, I will say on a show like this, we have to say this is our personal experience. We're not medical doctors, but here are the facts and statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, but back then, we can bring people on who could talk about what they've discovered, what the science is, you know, because autism is one of those things. Cancer is another, mm-hmm. you, you know, you would think that in all of the science and everything we do in conventional medicine, I will say that we would have beaten down cancer by now. Now, what's the good side of this? Let's flip it over for a minute. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk. We've been driven to really discover, innovate, and create. Mm -hmm. And that's the upside of this conversation in so many ways, isn't it? It is. And this is what we often do in our shows is we bring attention to something, a topic, an issue. And then we always want to make sure that we've got solutions or, or advice or some way in which we can work with the situation that we're in. The first place that I go to is looking at what are the messages that we received growing up or that we are that are prevalent in our culture around aging and how can we defy those messages? How can we turn that around? Not necessarily as a as a cultural movement, although that would be wonderful to see, but in our own personal lives, because ultimately that's where it starts is where we take responsibility for what we believe to be true about this whole process of aging. And I can say in total truth ever since I've been very little, I've been excited about this journey of getting older. And every milestone I've hit, <laughs> I've been excited to hit that milestone. And I know, I know you keep telling me that I am not ordinary. And perhaps that's true. Uh, um, but just for, saying. <laughs> I know I see the world through different lenses, I guess. Right. The way that I see it is, I'm excited to learn what I'm going to learn. And I'm excited to know what I'm going to know. And I love that at 52, and we were joking because I thought I was 53 the other day, but turns out <laughs> I'm actually 52. I know different things now than I knew at 25, than I knew at 17. And I love that. I love that. And I can't do that unless I let myself get older. And that includes the wrinkles and that includes the wisdom hairs. I get super excited when I see one of my white curly hairs. And I imagine this day when I have got this incredible head of white curly hair. I'm so excited for that. That's a very different way of looking at aging. I get that. (laughs) It's not what I hear around me. You know, I hear things like, oh, aging is not for the faint of heart. You know, I had a dear friend of mine say, it's all downhill from here when I turn 40. (laughs) And my personal mantra is you're only as old as you think you are. So how old do you think you are today? Do you think you're 18, but you're 80? Then act like an 18 year old. 
Yeah, no, I'm telling you, this is me. I never celebrated birthdays for a really long time. My friends like to do it. I'm not quite sure even how old I actually am because I, it doesn't never enters my mind. It's not my focus. And, you know, my spirit is very young. That doesn't mean, though, that I'm not like every other person. And I'm going to say 50 and over because the category is now that right at the moment. Um, and and what that means is that once upon a time, we all used to hang out together. The kids used to stay in the neighborhood, blah, 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 whatever that looks like. Now we're, di now we're in different circumstances. And we've gotten innovative. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I talked about um, my buddies right down the hall here because I watched them in the past three years and what they've done and how they've changed. And we have no affiliation with them. They're not sponsors. They're not advertisers. But because I've had to look into this for my family and other families, I didn't even know they were right here. And these are the folks here, right? right? They're called Home Instead. And their website, if locally in the Pacific Northwest, is homeinstead.com slash 822. And I would recommend for those of you out there that are wondering what are options I have, you know, start the process of looking, you know, take a look and say, what can we do here? Because it is not likely in the old days, usually mama or grandmama was home. And mama or grandmama, they could take care of a lot of things. But then who took care of grandmama? Because then everybody got older. Everybody's working and there's nobody. Um, but what do you think? I want to ask you this, talk about when we come back. Megan, you've discovered a whole lot in this process. Mm -hmm. You had a magic wand. I would like to know what you would change. When we come back, mm -hmm. let's talk about how can a micro change lead to a macro solution. Um, let's take a short break, Megan. When we come back, we're talking about, you know, this wild and crazy ride that we call aging, which used to be revered. Now we're trying to find how to survive it. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with Megan Inch. Are you passionate about impacting social change or working towards anti-racism as a society? Are you willing to deconstruct your innermost thoughts, ideas, and beliefs about racism? Then Inflection Point Podcast, Cultivating Change from the Inside Out is the show for you. Join Anita Russell, Mavis Bauman, and Gail Hunter in open, honest, and deliberate conversations every first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, only on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Have you heard about shifting the collective vibration and consciousness on the planet? Join me, Kimberly Barrett, on the Sharing Love and Light show every first and third Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern at TransformationTalkRadio.com to explore the depth of vibration and consciousness on our planet and learn how you can shine your love and light. To learn more, visit SharingLoveAndLightShow.com. Do you question what an authentic life really looks like? Tune in to The Alley Effect with Allison Blythe, authentically living life your way. 
every first and third Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com, where Allison Blythe brings you tools, resources, and actionable steps toward your very best life. Take responsibility for your own happiness. For more about Allison, visit Allison, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N, Blythe, B-L-Y-T-H-E dot com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. The power of inspiration and awakening radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. Introducing the Brilliant Black Man Show with Melissa Johnson. Tune in as Melissa shares the stories of successful black men across the country. This show is designed to change the narrative of how black men are portrayed in the world. The show will highlight their brilliance and how they are making a difference in their family, community, boardroom, and the world. For more information on the show, visit wildministriesllc.com. everybody yes i love it welcome back so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on megan before we go ahead how do people find out more about you just kind of fill us in on what you're up to oh gosh that's a bigger question than you'd realize (laughs) no i know well normally at this point i give out my website address please don't go visit my website right now it's completely broken we don't know what's happened to it but things are missing and pictures aren't there and it looks dreadful so don't go to my website <laughs> oh I, we can help you with that that just happened we, we know what what happened with ours <laughs> okay we'll talk we'll talk later oh my god however yeah. you can find us on youtube at megan itch healing lots of great information there lots of videos i've made over the years including every one of our 53 now episodes that we've done together um, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. Occasionally, I'm on Instagram. You can still email me at Megan at MeganEdge.ca. No, that's my website. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cute. And and I'm doing a lot of things. You know, I'm really in flux right now, Pat. I lots of ideas flowing through my head of where do I go next with my with my work that I do with the, with the services that I offer, with the way in which I am of service in the world. And certainly this recent experience with my family member and the recent experiences with the deaths that I've, that I've gone through, it feels like there's a, there's a whole area of, of work, a body of work that I could easily step into that would be very satisfying for me. And also very, very needed in this world right now. And that really is helping people around accepting aging gracefully or wildly Um, and not just accepting it, but really thriving in it or, you know, looking at death and dying and saying, what is it that I'm afraid of and how can I do this gracefully or how can I do this empowered 
you know, mm -hmm. all of these sorts of things. And so and, you know, it could be from where I am in my life right now, as I, as I step into the second century of my life and what do I want that to look like for me differently than when I was 25. So that's why I'm saying it's a big, it's a big question because there's a lot of things that are, yeah. that are up in the air right now, which is fun and exciting. And at the same time at four o'clock in the morning, kind of terrifying <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> But yeah. you were talking about if I had a magic wand. Yeah, I want to know if you had a magic wand, right? Yeah. I've often thought about this. You know, I've often thought mm -hmm. about um, if I had a magic wand or if I had the resources or if I, you know, I always look at if I had the resources, you know, and what would be enough resources? Would a billion dollars be enough? What mm -hmm. would I do with it and how would I do it? And, you know, that's an exercise that that I've done for years. Mm -hmm. If I win the lottery, right? So yeah. I have that and I have my list and I have, this is who I give money. I'm literally, I really have a list. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is who I give money with. This is the charity. This is the nonprofit I formed. Da, 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 and I go through my list. Mm -hmm. I have to update it every year because some of these things change. Mm -hmm. But what would you do with your magic wand? I would if I could change people's minds about the process of aging and I don't mean manipulate them. <laughs> okay. But somehow to be able to, to change our history, like we were talking about this break on the break. When did this happen? What happened where we went from living in families, living in units, helping each other out, being in community, supporting one another and allowing ourselves to get older and have that be a good thing where did that change where we became so afraid of the vulnerability of, of the elderly or of being infirm that we didn't want to even look at it mm -hmm. in our elders. And so we pushed them away and shoved them into care homes or into seniors only buildings where we weren't, where the young weren't welcome or is, is there a way with that magic wand to do one of these and change that cultural history? so that we also don't have billionaires trying to expand their lifespan with cryogenics and whatever else they can get their hands on because they want to live forever. Maybe we could change that idea as well, that living forever is a good idea at the expense of everybody else around you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or I'd wave my magic wand and get a billion dollars and set up a whole new social structure. <laughs> yeah, that's actually really where I was coming from. I mean, I, I know there are some things I value and I'm not saying I have the magic solution, but I know that there, there are some things in the world that are just not right. Yeah. And, you know, and there have been several that have been close to my heart because I know what it's like to experience them. Mm -hmm. Right. I think probably why, but not having healthcare for children. Oh yeah. I I'm pretty sure there's something wrong at all sorts of levels about that. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not talking about, uh, I'm talking about countries that have so much, mm -hmm. you know, for me, the United States of America, this has got to be like a cardinal sin. Yeah. I don't care who's running the government. I don't care what president you are. I don't care what party you belong to, but you folks really need to be part of what it's like to watch starving children. And it is happening in the United States. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's for me. So, you know, there are some things that I definitely would do. And I would, I would make sure that whatever the amount of money that was available to me, I had a great team of people to help with. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the things that that weigh heavy when I see them in action. 
um, mistreatment of the elderly. Um, we have had more hate crimes in the past couple of years mm-hmm. on the elderly than at least I've been aware of. I'm not saying it did not happen. We don't call them hate crimes, but somebody needs to call them hate crimes. Somebody yeah. needs to say when you beat up um, a 70, 75, 80-year-old man or woman walking down the street and you beat them up, that is a hate crime. Why? Because you're a coward. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And mm-hmm. you're picking on a population of people that we consider to be vulnerable and underrepresented. And so these are the things that I look at. But the thing that really gets me is how in any good faith our medical system can turn away six people. Mm-hmm. And we do. Yeah. When you walk in and you don't have an insurance card or you don't have a credit card, and you, you know, I mean. And there are services you can get here. You mm-hmm. know, you can get welfare. You can get Medicaid here. Mm-hmm. Um, people in addiction and recovery, if they can get help filling out the proper forms and going through that and figure that out, you can get some things. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole lot. What we need is advocacy. What we need is advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I have been doing for my family members. I've been advocating. Tell us what you've done. Well, and as perfect example is one of our trips was to her, uh, her doctor to get the stitches taken out from her head and her abdomen from this surgery. And I don't know that have we done a, a, anything on the white coat syndrome yet? Have we talked about that in any of our shows? No, Maybe that's the next no, show. I don't think so. Okay. Well, this is a really interesting psychological phenomenon that happens when a lot of, for a lot of people, the moment that they walk into a doctor's office or are in the presence of somebody wearing a white coat, they psychologically go into a very um, infantile or juvenile state of, of um, presence of mind. And this has been documented. This is not me making this up. There's lots of studies that, have, that demonstrate this, where they forget their sovereignty and they give over to the medical person their power. And what my, I don't know how to say this, but it basically my, my family member was concerned about going in to see her doctor because there were certain things that she needs from her doctor because we can't get oh, them elsewhere, yeah. right the, the doctor is the gatekeeper to prescriptions and pain medication and other things like that and and so she wanted me to be there in the room with her to advocate on her behalf to make sure that we remembered all the things we wanted to talk to the doctor about because what she finds happens when she goes in to see her doctor is that she forgets all the things yeah. that she wanted to talk about yeah. and up here in Canada Technically, a doctor, um, a family doctor, is only allowed to answer one question, one query per appointment, is the hope. And and this is a complex situation. This is post brain surgery. This is Parkinson's. This is other things that were coming up. We needed more time. We, it wasn't just to go in and get her stitches taken out. So she had me there with her, and I was her voice to make sure that we had all the things covered, which we did. Equally, I was the one to phone the clinic where the surgery was done to advocate on her behalf because the things that we were experiencing, no one had had told us were going to be possible. So we didn't know. And so we were we we needed to have that advocacy. And in the in her state of mind and her state of body, she just simply didn't have the strength to be her own voice. And then it's it's beyond that. It's the person who is able-bodied and able-minded is the one to 
find the resources to step up for the person who can't in that moment. And equally to, to advocate to the person themselves. You know, I was doing an enormous amount of research in those 12 days. I know more about Parkinson's than I ever thought I would know, or at least what's available to know, uh, and about dopamine and about, you know, all the things that can, that can happen to help her have more knowledge at her fingertips of what it is that she's living with. And we learned things that she didn't know. No one had ever yeah. told her about her condition before. Mm. And not that anyone was purposely keeping that information from her. It just had never come up in conversation before. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is no one big bad guy in this scenario. It's a lot of people each trying to do their own, or each trying to do their job properly with the limitation and resources that they have available to them, right? So advocacy is, is really important. Informing yourself is so important. You, you may not have Alzheimer's or dementia or Parkinson's or any of these what are considered older person diseases, but you might want to educate yourself about them just, with, just, just so you know, in case someone around you gets them or in case it has, ever shows up for you. Why not know ahead of time what's available or what new research there is or what you know, new treatment there is rather than burying your head in the sand and hoping that somehow you don't get old. And these things don't happen and you're not prepared and you're not prepared for them. Yeah. It is really a big undertaking to even agree to do that. It is. You know, really, it is a big undertaking and it really does require courage because I can remember myself, you know, being 20, 21 years old. And this whole conversation was the farthest away period. And I think that is because, you know, here in the United States, this was before the repeal of the psychological contract of work. And so we had a mindset that you work hard, you work long, you'll get rewarded, you'll get pension, you'll get social security. And if you live decades like that and then in a nanosecond it is changed and that is what happened by the way yeah you know robert reich said it best i can't remember what year it was but he said you're now experiencing the repeal of the psychological contract at work mm -hmm. he didn't say you're now also experience the repeal of the psychological contract of a psychological contract of healthcare, and yet that is what happened simultaneously mm -hmm. so yeah. We have the new generations now not quite sure how to wrap their mind around it. You have the, the elder generations not quite sure of WTF just happened here. Mm -hmm. And then you have a whole bunch of people not actually knowing what the solution is. You know, when you take something away from millions and millions of people and you don't replace it, with a social solution. I'm not saying socialistic people, a social solution. And it's a social psychological solution. And when I say social, it's all of the things that requires us to live in the world, mm -hmm. right? When you take something away of that magnitude and don't replace it, there's going to be a gap. And we're living in the gap right now. And nobody yeah. wants to address the gap. And, and the reality is you can be as prepared as, as you possibly can and still have it all go south. I, I, just as you're oh, talking, yeah. I'm thinking about what our 
prime minister recently did in freezing people's bank accounts because he didn't like the way that they were behaving um, on Capitol Hill. I don't even understand Ottawa. Yeah, that's a whole other. I don't understand how you do that. That's a whole other conversation. But but how do you do it? I mean, because you're talking about a political system now just exerted themselves as communist. I'm sorry. That's the only term I know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, no, it's not communist, but it's not socialist. It's something else. It's something else. It's a it's a social credit system move. It's it's very much like what's what happens in China. You don't actually have control of your own money, your own assets. The government does. And what he demonstrated to us is that if he doesn't like what you're saying or doing, he has made arrangements with the banks of Canada that the banks will seize your assets. So let's say you've put aside $10,000 and you saved and scrimped it, and that's your emergency money in case you end up having to have home care come in Mm. for two weeks, because that's what it's going to cost you. And now your assets are frozen. What do you do? You know, in that moment, what do you do? That's a really scary scenario. And uh, and I'm sorry to bring it to the forefront, um, but- But it's all part of the conversation. It's it's all part of the conversation now. And so what it comes down to for me is that, you know, despite the best of your abilities, you may still not be able to look after yourself for, I can't even emphasize this enough, take care of yourself now. I don't care whether you're 50 or 90, you can take care of yourself. There are things that you can be doing on a daily basis to make sure that you are as healthy as you can possibly be so that you can stay out of hospitals and stay out of care homes. You can create community around you, do your best, you know, just do your best. And, and look at what you believe to be true about aging and illness and vulnerability and see if there's something there that can be changed. You, know, you can change your mind about it. I remember hearing, this was back a year and a half ago now, there was a, a group of, of elderly people, for lack of a better word, people in their 60s and 70s, who had formed a coalition here in Victoria, in the city I live in, to contest the lockdowns and contest their not being allowed to see their loved ones. And what they were really contesting, ultimately what this woman said, the organizer, she said, stop calling us vulnerable. (laughs) I'm strong. You have no idea how strong I am. She said, I've lived through this, this, and this. You know, my 90 year old grandmother (laughs) lived through the second world war and she, she, we are not vulnerable. This is what she kept saying, stop calling us vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Because if you do that, you're disempowering us. We're intelligent, we're strong, we're vital, we're healthy, leave us alone, is what she was saying. And that was really powerful. And then I never heard from them again. I never heard of them again. (laughs) I don't know what happened there. But I think there are a lot of people in their 60s, 70s and 80s who are saying, are you kidding me with this? You know, I'm still vital here. (laughs) I, I wish that we all had this magical wand that enabled us to have compassion for the other Mm -hmm. right right you know and it's really fascinating how this is showing up in our pop culture quite a bit now megan um it's i mean honestly it's major themes of some of the most billion dollar let's take in the movie theater movies now you know, where there are conversations about, you know, annihilating a few for the many, right? Or annihilating the many for the few. Mm-hmm. You know, they're juxtaposed, but they're conversations. And I think what happens here 
is we're just going to let people die and not even die with dignity. Mm-hmm. And yet we're in such denial that that is actually the reality of what happens. We, yeah. we don't really have a sense that there's someone today, many people today sitting in a home taking their last breath because nobody is there to help them. Yeah. Because we've and, created isolation and we've created isolation long before the past two years. This is, this is not new. Elder abuse and elder isolation, this has been in existence for decades now, for decades, since mm-hmm. the 60s, the 50s, probably even earlier than that. And it's so unnecessary. And yet it comes down to what we believe about aging and, and the elderly, that, that they're, they're not useful anymore. That's, that's actually the belief. That is the belief. That, yeah. And our culture is very much based on youth and youthfulness and health sort of but a very specific kind and we've lost sight of the importance of all the people in our community and that's that's devastating that is we are seeing the devastating consequences of that yeah all the way along and i and i think it's being exploited and i think it's being it's being virtue signaled and i think it's being um well what did we see when we were looking for images you know happy older white couples almost exclusively and we, we looked at did. how many hundred photos we did. Right. There's and a, we were like, man, we're not, we're not finding any pictures. Like, well, we really want to show about because we're not really showing pictures of that. That would be very real. Yeah. You know? and I mean, maybe that is some people's experience. That's great. However, that that's, there's a mythology there that isn't most people's experiences. Walking into uh, my girls used to have this field trip that they did at school. The school would take all the kids. This was an elementary school to one of the long-term care facilities here in town. And the kids would carve pumpkins with the, I'm going to use this word tongue in cheek with the inmates of this place. And it was a lovely place. And there were good people there caring for the elderly who were there. And many of these elderly had dementia and Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. These kids, in some cases, were so traumatized by that experience. Oh, yeah. Because they'd never seen that before and they didn't have a context for it and they didn't understand the behaviors that they were seeing as they were paired with these older people who were really in, in distressful situations. I don't think they do that field trip anymore. I kind of hope no, they didn't. No. I had words with the school about it because it didn't seem appropriate and not because the elderly and children shouldn't be together, they absolutely should. But don't throw children into a situation like that where you're dealing with severe Alzheimer's and dementia patients and expect that to be a healthy view of aging, right? It's not a healthy view of aging at all. There's learning. There's learning experience. There are ways to really educate our youth about certain realities of the world. I mean, they've stopped all the prison experimentation. You know, it used to be that if you wanted to do you want to know what it's like remember that famous experiment yes. where they, they talked just about lock yeah. people up yeah <laughs> and they thought oh this is not like real yes it is real yeah. it is real you know it is very very real and if you've ever worked at a food bank i will tell you this we're having volunteered at some of our local food banks when you have to shut the door on lines of mothers trying to get baby food mm-hmm you just don't know what to do. You just don't know what to do. You know, it's not like you can pull out a paycheck and because there's so many, Mm -hmm. 
but in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people will say, ah, it just people want a free ride. Well, you've never been hungry. No. <laughs> you have never stood just, in the welfare just, line. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah Looking for a free like, ride. Yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. When I see people standing on the street corner panhandling, and, and I know there's a common misconception that, oh, yeah, they're just, they're just lazy. They're just out there for, I don't know. I think, yeah, you try standing. And I've never stood on street corner begging for money. So I'll be really clear about that. That's not been my experience. I have. But I can share as hell imagine, and, and you can confirm this, that's not a fun way to spend your time. No, no, and I did don't... it in my youth. I mean, I did it when, you know, 17. So I had a different personality, a different persona, a different me, but I, that didn't mean I was any less desperate. Yeah. And when we look at the elderly and we look at that sense of desperation, we that doesn't have to happen. I mean, I guess this is the bottom line. And this is where I, where I would I would want to lift this back up again is that none of what we're talking about today has to be someone's experience in terms of the, the negative side of it. The positive things we've been talking about today can be people's experiences. It takes each person, each individual person deciding that they're going to choose to view the elderly or view themselves as they age differently than how they may have been doing it without even realizing it. Yep. Exactly. You know, to really look at what is their relationship with their grandparents or older people in their community. What and what do they feel personally themselves about getting older? Yeah. You know, if you spend a thousand dollars a month on makeup and Botox and other things like that, maybe it's time to question that expectation, that societal expectation of eternal youth, yeah. and instead look to a healthy relationship with aging and learning and experience yeah just saying uh, megan thank <laughs> you for today um and i know this was a, a story that was near and dear and personal for you and thank you so much for sharing it because what i want to say to everybody out there is sometimes we think we don't have the ability to cause any shift in the needle at all and, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm really acutely aware of, I still am old school in a lot of ways. You know, I will pick up the phone and call my senator, my congressperson. I will even call those folks from another state, although they find out your zip code, they're not always going to talk to you, however some of them do. And let them know what your questions are. Let them know you're aware of some of the benefits on the verge of being cut. You know, let them know that you know, there are things that are happening that you're not fully aware of, but ask them what they're willing to do about it and see if you get a straight answer. And if you don't, don't let that be the end. Because I think, Megan, that's really to your point. You know, we stop at a point of frustration and yeah. we're talking about people. You've been listening to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge. Tune in each month on Transformation Talk Radio and the Dr. Pat Show Network, providing you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. If you've missed any part of this episode or want to find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca.